tonight we're happy to introduce you to a doctor. I am the COVID hunter. Dr. Joseph Verone is the Chief of Staff at United Memorial Medical Center. We are joined tonight by Dr. Verone. Joseph Verone, the Chief Medical Officer. Uh, this is Dr. Joseph Verone from Houston, Texas. Dr. Joseph Verone is a man who worked more than 400 days straight on a quest against the most frightening virus of our lifetimes. The media has watched his work closely from local to national to international outlets, taking advantage of the fact he speaks nine languages. Como está, doctor? Buenas noches. How many interviews have you conducted with the media over the pandemic? With this one is 1,640 since March 19 of last year. We have been very uh, lucky in that we have implemented a series of treatment methods that have a very good success rate. Everybody else came in and they saw how it worked, but nobody wanted to get into it. Uh, by now, you know, now I have a lot of, uh, of news people that are my friends. So a, a lot of them uh, do tell me that when they talk to their producers or whatever, they say, let's not get into that one. ivermectin and we actually showed that uh, the combination of the math plus including the ivermectin was having fantastic success with our patients our stance is that the evidence we have seen and we have reviewed doesn't show at the moment doesn't show that uh, um, ivermectin is efficacious against covid it's an agent that has been around for 40 years. Uh, it's an antiparasite, however, it has very potent antiviral and anti-inflammatory properties. And it actually has been shown to improve the outcome of patients with COVID, as well as prevention of, uh, of COVID. You know, I'm sure you are familiar with the newest data from India and from Mexico, where actually uh, in those states where they have given ivermectin prophylactically, there are much less number of, of COVID cases. You have peer-reviewed research on this? Yes, correct. And we actually, the, one of the studies that I sent you was a study that looked at every study out there, a, a very interesting uh, study that looked at all the available evidence and everything favored the use of uh, ivermectin. Our mortality rates and where 
remarkably low. And these people were equally sick to the people in other hospitals. We use it with good success. We know that there is a lot of controversy. But one of the problems that we have is that we use a lot of things. We literally throw the whole kitchen sink at these patients because they are so sick. So sometimes you don't know exactly what makes the difference. You need to cease and desist posting about hydroxychloroquine. It's not just about the viewers, it's about what our CEO reads. It's about what our GM reads. And like Lee said, it's not about the viewers right now. Everything's going to be under the microscope. Because as a clinician that is trying to save lives, it's annoying. It's annoying because we're trying to help people. We're not trying to hurt people. Our protocol has been changing based on the data. At the beginning, we were using everything. This is your 407th day mm. straight. Of the people who are inspiring America. One of them, Dr. Joseph Farrell. I feel fine. I've never had any of the long hauler effects. So you took one of the most, the most controversial drug. Right, hydrochloroquine. The, the vitamins and ivermectin, the Math Plus protocol. When exactly did you catch COVID? Uh, back in July, just traveled all over the body until it finally hit the lungs. And what did he treat you with? Um, he had me on the Math Plus protocol. I believe back then he was doing hydroxychloroquine and some ivermectin too. You've heard the stories of, of people like you who've died. Yeah, seen it, it's a lot of it. So what made the difference for you? Um, getting in there early. Welcome to the Whistleblower Newsroom. I'm Christina Borgeson. What you just heard and saw was the first part of former Fox reporter Ivory Hecker's independent report on COVID treatment protocols that include hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin two drugs that have been around for a long time and that have been used to successfully treat COVID. This fact has been censored on major TV outlets, in mainstream newspapers, and on major social media platforms. While working for Fox, Hecker's coverage of Houston critical care physician, Dr. Joseph Verone's successful use of hydroxychloroquine sent her into a censorship buzzsaw at work. Thanks to technology that wasn't available to whistleblowers in the past, Hecker was able to record her experience as it unfolded, giving viewers and listeners an up-close view in living color of what press corruption looks like, how it works, and what motivates it. Watch and listen. The Atlanta warning has been distorted. I mean, it has been shredded. We no longer have it in your file. This is the story of how Fox was forced to retract defamatory internal smears against a reporter after the reporter covered the facts on the ground that contradicted the narrative. August 10th, 2020, Fox sent me to cover COVID treatment at United Memorial Medical Center. This was the final question in the interview and the final soundbite in the TV package. That's a, you know, that's a great question. And the answer is yes, we have used it. I mean, we know that it's a drug that has been politicized up to the wazoo. Uh, we've used it, we use it with good success. We know that there is a lot of controversy, 
But one of the problems that we have is that we use a lot of things. We literally throw the whole kitchen sink at these patients because they are so sick. So sometimes you don't know exactly what makes the difference. But we have used uh, hydroxychloroquine in some of our patients and they have done well. Minutes before air, Lee tells me to drop the sound about hydroxychloroquine because it needs the context of other drugs. I did that and put it on Facebook instead, adding the requested context. The fact that the sound reached the audience's ears at all led to this reaction from Fox bosses Susan Schiller and Lee Meyer. You need to cease and desist posting about hydroxychloroquine. Everything's going to be under the microscope. You're not posting anything without Susan or I signing off on it. Industry executives who are the people who hire us and keep us employed. That's the part that needs to make a difference to them. It's not just about the viewers. It's about what our CEO reads. It's about what our GM reads. And like Lee said, it's not about the viewers right now. So the truth of what's happening in Houston is that whether anyone likes it or not, regardless of the studies, doctors are secretly prescribing hydroxychloroquine. I started to expose that because all my sources were sending me the tips about it. I would like to speak to your bosses and explain that to them. I just want them, I want your bosses to know. Ivory, we took, the assistant news director told you to remove material from a news story that was going on air. I took exactly what Lee told me to do, added the context of what else he uses, and exposed him. First off, you assumed you knew all the context that was referring to, which you didn't because you missed half my point. My point is, we're not going to relive the conversation with hydrochloroquine. We're just not. You're going to stay as far away from that as possible. They have seen the reports. They've seen the original reports. They know what you reported, Ivory. It's not, it's not whether they're questioning whether you were lying or seeking somebody out. It's about the attention garnered by the kind of BS that the company does not want. We are here to tell you that your professional reputation is what we are trying to protect. And Susan has been abundantly clear that your post will be about news and will be about things that we determine are safe news for you to post right now. I then followed Susan and Lee's orders to lock down my social media and no longer speak publicly of COVID drug treatments. Three weeks later, they presented me with a defamatory letter of warning they'd placed in my file with Fox, which would taint my ability to move up in the company. The letter changed timelines and created a false narrative that my bias about the drug was causing me to apparently ignore management instructions. I wanted to meet because I would like the letter with false information removed from my file. But I'm trying to actually help you in some ways, you know, kind of get through this period. But and writing false stories about me and putting them in my file does not help me. It hurts me immensely. We are taking everything you said into consideration. The letter said that you, in July, you told me to stop covering COVID treatments. You didn't tell me until August 14th to stop, and that's when I stopped. I have been loyal to what you tell me to do, and the letter says otherwise. Susan Lee and Tracy, the HR director, tried to blame a gossip blog for their actions. It's very That's clear true. that you're very That's concerned about true. a gossip site That's that so none I of our viewers read. Just so you know, Fox is extremely sensitive about a gossip site. You may not care about it, but this company does. And because this company does, that means everybody on this call should care about it. 
Fox changed their tone after I brought on a defamation lawyer. We have some, you know, differences here and how we kind of uh, hurt each other. We are uh, basically withdrawing the letter of warning, all right, because our goal was never to have you interpret that as an exercise in wanting you to be terminated. We want you to be part of our team. But the letter of warning has been destroyed. I mean, it has been shredded. We no longer have it in your file. Ivory, the waters of social media are complicated. They get more and more complicated all the time. The waters of Fox, you mean? The waters of Fox are complicated. The waters of social media get complicated. And we want to work with you. We want this to, you know, we realize that you don't agree with maybe my opinion here, but it's how I see it. You guys are continuing to push this idea that I'm somehow biased about some drug that I'm not interested in taking, that I'm not interested in telling people to take, but I am interested in answering people's questions about it because the public wants to know what the heck is going on with this drug, especially when it's being censored so harshly. What's the actual deal? Let's dig deeper because it is such a hot topic right now. That's what I'm interested in is exploring what's going on with this drug. Am I trying to tell people to take it? No. Am I trying to get some answers on it? Yes. You don't want me to get answers on it anymore, so I won't. Okay, but you trying to imply that I am somehow pushing and peddling this drug that I didn't even pay attention to until I was assigned to cover it is so offensive to me. After shredding the defamatory letter, Fox sent me a memo telling me to correct my problematic social media. They kept me banned from covering COVID drug treatments. So am I still banned? And why did you want to hide information from the viewers? Ivory, I'm not going to rehash this. I can't change how you take it. I would like you to keep an open mind about why we may not be pursuing a story, why we may be saying we need more research, why we may be saying we need somebody to go on camera because we need the proof. Okay, I'm just saying I've had people on camera and I've gotten in trouble for that. Stunning. Ivory Hecker first spoke out about the corrupt reporting practices of Fox in a live broadcast that went viral around the world. After nine years in corporate news and based on her shocking experience, she is, she says, speaking out about an alarming trend away from journalistic principles news organizations used to have and advocating for a return to journalism that puts citizens and the truth first and that doesn't cower to corporate or government interests. She's here today to talk about her experience at Fox and moving forward. Welcome, Ivory. Thanks for having me. So I'm curious about when they sent you out, because the same thing happened to me at CBS. They sent me out to look into a crash. And that's right shortly after that, I, unbeknownst to me, they were sending me into a buzzsaw. So you, they sent you out to cover COVID treatments. What did they think you were going to come back with? Well, something that fit the narrative. And... <laughs> Well, what was the narrative? What was the narrative? The narrative was that hydroxychloroquine doesn't work, so we're not talking about it anymore, and no doctors are using it anymore. But the fact is, a lot of doctors were still using it, 
And that's, that's not my opinion. That's not anything to do with anything other than the facts on the ground where the doctors were using that. And the hospital that Fox sent me to happened to be one of those hospitals. So Fox actually sent you to that hospital. Right. That was their assignment to me that day. Wow. Okay. I really want to talk about this letter, the letter of warning that they sent to you because uh, you don't talk about the details of it in either of the clips that, that I, I uh, have shown previously. And to me, it's, it's kind of Orwellian what they did, some of the things that they said. Um, first of all, talk about this timeline and how they, what they did with that timeline. And they, they talked about you talking to another physician as well, this Dr. Uh, Stella Emanuel. So can right. you, could you lead me through what they were saying you did and how it's wrong or not correct? Sure. Yeah. In late July of last year, they assigned me to cover Dr. Stella Emanuel after she went viral and got harshly censored for advocating for hydroxychloroquine. Fox's coverage, uh, you know, I did the coverage of her because she was a Houston doctor. I'm based in Houston. So uh, Fox, my bosses told me after my coverage that day that I did a fantastic job uh, covering her accurately, but I had I had done a separate commentary saying that it's a bit alarming, the unprecedented social media censorship we are seeing surrounding her situation. Uh, re social media- just, just briefly for the audience, give a little background on her so that they understand. Yeah, yeah, she was, she was that African doctor who went to Washington DC and, and spoke in a press conference advocating for hydroxychloroquine. It went viral and then got censored across every social media outlet. This is the kind of online censorship that I had studied happening in China for years. Suddenly I was seeing it on, on a new level here in the US. It alarmed me. Uh, social media outlets hadn't gone to her hospital to see what she's doing and what's working. They simply decided she shouldn't be allowed. And if, if they had been successful shutting her down, before she reached curious journalists like myself, I never would have known she existed. I never would have been able to go to her hospital to verify her claims. Uh, so social media outlets doing that sort of censorship actually interfere with journalism. And that's what I was saying in my separate video. So Fox was fine with my accurate coverage of her. Fox did not like my coverage on social media censorship or my commentary on it because it was commentary rather than a news report, Fox was bothered by that. But I said, if there's anything journalists should be commenting on, it's on free speech versus censorship because in a censored society, you cannot do journalism. Uh, journalism is, is being able to cover all facts on the ground without interference. So I uh, so anyway, that, that was the situation with her. Fox said, okay, because you did that commentary and we don't like it, we want you to lay, lay low for a few, days on social media. Uh, so I did not post anything for a few days on social media. And then we got back to normal. Then two weeks later, I'm sent to cover Dr. Verone's hospital. And he happens to be using hydroxychloroquine. Fox wanted that narrative to be gone. Uh, unfortunately for them, it was not gone. A lot of doctors were still using it. And when that was added as part of my 
full package on, on his hospital, they really didn't like that. They wanted to get rid of the part about hydroxychloroquine, uh, which I did. I got rid of the soundbite on TV, but I asked them, why is that? That's a bit strange that you want me to cover all other aspects of his hospital, but not the part about this drug. And they said, we need more context of all the drugs. So all, every treatment he's using. So I got that context, put all the context on Facebook because Facebook, there's no time constraints like TV. So Fox hated that. That's when they came after me. They told, they called me after that and said, I'd failed as a reporter. They put me on a uh, social media blackout. No, no longer allowed to post anything from here on out until they said so. Uh, so that, that was the first uh, step. They also, uh, they told me to cease and desist covering hydroxychloroquine after that. I said, that's fine. I, I never advocated for this drug or had a passion for it. I just saw the viewers were asking questions about it. Well, hold up, hold up. Why would that be fine if that's part of the COVID treatment? I mean, you know, that's true. I, I was saying it to them like that because I was, I was getting blindsided and caught off guard my red alerts were going up like, wait, this isn't journalism for this, them to shut down certain topics. But I was just telling them, look, I'm detached from this drug. I'm not advocating for it. I'm answering the viewers' questions. It's creepy that they were suddenly instituting bans on certain topics. But to protect myself within the company, I was saying, okay, fine, I'll stop. I didn't mean I... to do anything weird. I don't, I don't get what's going on here. So I told them that, and, and after that, I did not mention that drug anywhere, uh, neither online or on air. I have always followed what Fox wants me to do. I've, in my entire nine-year corporate news career, I've been extremely loyal to whatever corporation I work for. And so I, I was like, okay, if you don't want me to talk about it, I won't. So, so I go on this social media blackout, which is the creepiest thing, and then they three weeks later, come out with this defamatory letter. Apparently, it took them some time to pass it throughout Fox Corp, get it approved by Fox Corp lawyers, uh, get it drafted by Fox Corp HR, and then sent down to me three weeks later, they blindsided me, hey, get on a Zoom call right now and show me this letter. And it is the most manipulative thing you would ever see. It's just, it weaves through this crazy lengthy narrative of, of manipulation, but it, it switches up timelines. And it says that back in late July, when I covered Dr. Emanuel, it says that's when they put me on a COVID drug treatment ban. And that I was so passionate about this drug hydroxychloroquine that I just kept pushing the drug according to this manipulative letter. Oh, so in other words, the fact that in August they sent you out to cover the treatment that Verone was doing in this Houston hospital, uh, did they forget about that? Yeah, it, it, apparently they did. I said, hold up. You sent me to cover COVID treatment on August 14th, and you're saying that back in July you put me on a ban of COVID treatment? Why would you send me to cover a hospital treating patients if you had me on a ban in July? Gotcha. You're lying. You know, plus they didn't know that back in July, as soon as they confronted me about me commenting on censorship, the fact that I can't even comment on censorship as a journalist, which as a member of the free press, journalism can't exist 
in a censored society. The fact that they were calling me out about that in July got put me on such alert, such I was so alarmed that I actually started recording them back then. It's the first time I ever recorded my bosses, but something instinctually told me you better re- you better record them because uh, this is getting weird. And so I uh, started recording back then. So the fact that they confront me in September now with this fake letter, I I told them, you know what, you guys have gotten, you guys, you know, they're losing it. And I said, I've been recording you. And I have the evidence of when you instituted that hydroxychloroquine coverage ban. And I'm now going to email you an audio recording of yourself. So in September of last year, I emailed my bosses and HR audio recordings of themselves instituting the ban August 14th. And I said, look, this obliterates your fake letter that between that and the fact that you sent me to a COVID treatment story on that day. Uh, so I sent that to them. I, I got a lawyer involved. And once the lawyer was involved, that's when they really got serious backpedaled and said, we're sorry, we're shredding this, this letter. They wouldn't, they still wouldn't admit to wrongdoing. They're like, oh, we misunderstood each other, but that's, uh, that's the story. Okay. So what I'm really fascinated by is their obsession with social media because i i looked i i read this gossip uh this gossip post it was from ftvlive.com post which is what was bothering them so much right and i'm gonna read it because i was shocked after reading it that this is what bothered them the post basically says and it's dated August 14th, the same day that your your coverage of uh, Verone came out. Is that correct? Well, actually, the coverage of Verone came out August 10th. Then the gossip guy picks it up on the 14th. And that's when Fox is blowing up my phone. So that just goes to show how much a blog spot matters to a major TV corporation. Yeah, and let, let, let's put it, let's also say this blog spot is like, I don't know how many people go to this thing. I've never heard of it. Yeah, the viewers don't know about it. And that's what should matter. What what are the viewers caring about? Truth. The truth should only matter. But what I, I, I have to read this so that people understand what it is that Fox was so concerned about. He just goes, this is Scott Jones, by the way, please stop. When it comes to COVID-19 pandemic, you see a lot of information out there and it gets hard to uh, hard as to who to believe. Oh, so this is a real grammarian too. It is clear that we can't believe much of what the president is telling us. So not you, but the president. So how do you figure out which information is good information? The bottom line, you must look to the science. If you hear somebody say that something is the next cure or works in fighting COVID-19, check and see if that is the case. I've never, I mean, it's so generic and general, and I don't know what, it doesn't talk about you specifically, it doesn't talk specifically about your report. So what's going on here? I think his article had a screenshot of my my uh, post on Facebook with Dr. Verone, where I I had the soundbite of him saying he uses this drug in his hospital and he's having success. And then 
my caption had everything he uses in his hospital. I, I listed all of his treatment methods. And that's so the fact that my screenshot was in there, I guess uh, Fox really came after me. I mean, according to my bosses in Houston, their bosses in New York read that blog spotter. And so that's what matters. Are you kidding? Really? Nope. That's what they said to you? Yeah. So in this letter, the other thing um, that's written here, and, and again, you've got this trifecta at your at the at Fox Houston where you were. You've got uh, what's this? Susan Schiller, right? Who's the VP and the news director? Lee Mayer, who's the assistant news director, and then you've got Tracy Rivers, who's the HR person. Okay, so that's the trifecta that is coming at you <laughs> in various ways. So in this, in this letter, it says here, Lee, that would be Lee Meyer, the assistant uh, news director, made it clear that the station could not assign you to a story about COVID-19 drug treatments. That's an outright lie. Or the current debate over the power and influence of large tech companies. That part was very interesting to me. What are they trying to tell you there? I mean, what is it they, what's the do not go there regarding the influence of large tech companies? That they're talking about my commentary on censorship that I, that I did in late July when I saw social media corporations trying to snuff out the story of Dr. Stella Emanuel, delete every video that, that someone posted of, of her press conference, and then, and then penalize the social media users who uploaded that video. Uh, it, it was very much reminiscent of China and that's what I was commenting. And Fox said, look, you can't get into that topic. We don't like you getting into that topic. Have you seen YouTube's guidelines for uh, coverage of COVID-19 and treatments? Have you seen it? Uh, no, I, I, I haven't. I, I know they revise them fairly often. What does it say? What's well, the, the reason why I know is because I had several shows yanked off of YouTube. And so I was like, and, and there were shows talking to these frontline doctors who had been treating COVID, just like Farone, okay, Peter McCullough, Richard Urso. These are all Texas doctors, by the way. So I suppose nobody covered the Texas, Fox covered the Texas uh, Senate hearings on, on COVID and COVID treatments. I, I'm curious about that. No, they, they didn't. It's interesting. Oh, okay. So when they kicked me off, I was like, whoa, you know, because these are firsthand sources. These are people who are directly dealing with COVID patients, trying to keep them alive. And right there in the guidelines, it specifically talks about anything, any reporting that talks about hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin being safe and effective, you know, I'm paraphrasing, right? That this is not acceptable. This is against the policies, uh, the YouTube guidelines because the World Health Organization's policy is saying that these drugs are, are uh, not useful. And so <laughs> when I saw that, that, that specific, I realized, oh my God, so there's this official, I mean, we know there's an official narrative, 
for COVID-19 and for COVID-19 treatments. But um, when I saw that YouTube specifically mentioned that, that, that's why I asked you about the tech companies, because clearly there's a concerted policy here that all these social media outlets um, are adhering to. Is that your experience too? I mean, are you, have you con continued covering this whole COVID thing or what? Um... Yeah, well, uh, yeah, I sent you my first independent news report. It was the first topic that I said I've got to tackle once I get out of Fox because I'm not allowed to cover this topic of COVID drug treatment while I'm in, in Fox. And it's interesting that the social media corporations had this shutdown on these topics of safe, effective drugs. And Fox followed suit. And from what I could tell, other news corporations followed suit. Everyone went in lockstep with the narrative, whether it was social media or news media. And that is quite alarming. It's very alarming, especially when I was able to get out and dig into the topic myself and, uh, and look at peer-reviewed research and interview World Health Org myself and ask World Health Org very simple questions. And I was stunned. It's, it's creepy. Censorship Wait. is something journalists should be looking at and calling out. What did World Health Organization tell you? Uh, first of all, the peer-reviewed paper that I sent them that they, <laughs> I talked to the director of communicable diseases for the Americas. That's a pretty big job that he has. He wasn't even aware of this, this paper that came out in April, a meta-analysis of studies around, around the globe. Um, and so when he, when he looked at it, I said, is this paper at least promising? He said, yes. And then he backtracked and said, no, 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 it's uh, it sheds light. You know, it's like he was being, I could just tell he's being muzzled himself. He's not allowed to say certain things. If he says it's promising, that could pave the way to say, look, maybe we should recommend these, these drugs. Um, and for some reason, World Health Org is adamant about not recommending these drugs. Uh, you know, we're talking about, a lot of this was about ivermectin. Um, so there was a recent, a recent huge spike in, in COVID cases in India. And we saw the headlines about all the Indians dying. Then the government of India uh, decided to distribute ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine across the nation, taking a hard stand against World Health Org's uh, recommendations. Within days, the death rate begins to plummet. Uh, the the COVID nineteen death rate begins to plummet. By the time I did the interview with this uh, this. World Health Org representative, it was a very early June. Uh, he's, he's telling me, look, we don't have any data that's showing it's working. I mean, there's, it's just up in the air. I was like, really? Okay. So, cause this, this research says it is, and it's peer reviewed by, by high up FDA people. Um, so I finally just asked him, what is working? Or I, you know, you see what's happening in India. The death rate has plummeted now. So what is working in India? And he stammered and said, you know, we don't get into the internal affairs of countries like that. Really? World Health Org doesn't? 
So they're the, ones, they're the ones who are influencing the COVID-19 policies all over the world. That's just, right. that's a big fat lie. I'm sorry. That's just a lie. And you can, yeah, have- that, that shocked me because I approached this man, very open-minded, wanting to know the truth. It's so hard to understand the truth this past year, even as a journalist, it's, it's been, it's been really shocking to how hard it can be sometimes. So I approached him with very basic, honest questions, hoping for an honest answer and him avoiding basic, basic questions like that stunned me. Why do you suppose that happened? I have you looked into that at all about why World Health Org would respond to an interview since they, since they are World Health Organization is literally leading they're the ones influencing COVID-19 treatment policy all over the world that's they're the ones who they're invoked in the YouTube guidelines okay right so so if this guy has not seen all these this metadata on peer reviewed uh, papers on these treatments that I'm sorry, firsthand source, frontline doctors, you know, treating patients. And it's all over the world, Ivory, all over the world, these doctors are reporting about the success of these drugs. Okay, Chiapas, Mexico, they got rid of COVID because they had their little package with ivermectin, Zithromax, hydroxychloroquine, I forget the other things, but anyway. So what's going on here? Um, well, there was a World Health Org whistleblower back in April, uh, an Italian man who worked for the World Health Org came out and uh, called them out, released emails showing World Health Org ordered him to falsify documents related to COVID. So that man threw away his salary and his well-being, and I think his house was being foreclosed on last I checked. This is a man who threw it all away because he was so appalled at at some of the fraud that he witnessed firsthand within World Health Org. Uh, Some organizations, when they get so- What's his name? I I forget his name, but I could send it to you. So it's an Italian name. So- um, I can send you that link. It was, he was interviewed by Sky News. I watched a YouTube interview uh, from Sky News uh, where they sat down with this man. Uh, these organizations, when they get so powerful and bureaucratic and, and become so trusted by all media, it opens the door for them to experiment with some, for some corruption of their own. And I think, I think all of this should be such a reminder to media members everywhere that you can't just take uh, what a bureaucrat says as gospel. You must always be curious and ask other questions and pursue facts on the ground where you can. That's all I was doing. I said, look, I see that this, this NIH study is saying that this drug is neither harmful nor helpful. I'm reporting that. I'm also seeing that doctors on the ground in Houston are continuing to use this drug and they're saying they have success. I'm also reporting that. I'm not censoring out anything. I'm telling the truth everywhere. Okay, and but here's I- my question. Do you, and, and this, is, this is something, this is what I think reporting the, is about. 
it's not just about reporting what this organization says and what that organization says. I think it's also about doing the work to show who's telling the truth and who is not. Exactly. Okay, because NIH, I don't know who at the NIH is actually treating COVID patients. Exactly, and from the doctors who are treating COVID patients and have written research about it, they're saying these NIH officials are not. They have never been bedside with the COVID patient. Dr. Varun, did he talk to you about uh, running into problems because of his talking about hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin or? Yeah, he, he tells me that it was late last summer that he started to get big pushback about hydroxychloroquine. And so between that and the study saying it doesn't work, he stopped using it, but kept using all his other life-saving treatments. And I, I looked at the numbers at his hospital, the death rate at his hospital while he was using hydroxychloroquine was 4.4% for COVID-19 patients. That's a dramatically lower death rate than the average nationwide, which is 20%. So 20% of COVID-19 patients that have to be hospitalized end up dying in nationwide hospitals. But at Dr. Verone's, it was 4.4% while he was using hydroxychloroquine. Fast forward to now, uh, looking at the numbers last March through this May, the death rate was 6.7% at his hospital for COVID-19. So after he stopped using hydroxychloroquine, the death rate went up a little bit. I don't know if that's due to hydroxychloroquine or if uh, other factors, maybe there was a worse strain of COVID that came through. I don't know, but, th but the death rate did go up after he stopped using hydroxychloroquine. He continued using ivermectin and th these other uh, steroids and blood thinners, uh, which he really wants to drive home to people, the importance of the particular steroid he uses and the blood thinner that he uses. He feels that the information about those has not gotten out enough either. Methylprednisolone and heparin, he highly recommends those. When I asked World Health Org, specifically about methylprednisolone, they said they don't recommend that. Really interesting. I, you know, it's, it's actually deeply troubling because if there's a track record of people's lives being saved and um, the World Health Organization is saying, no, we don't recommend this, it, it, it really, raises so many questions that um and and kind of terrifying questions i think when a a body that's that's determining the policy for or very influential in in determining uh policy regarding COVID treatment around the world is actually going against the science and the actual firsthand experience of people of physicians treating COVID uh you know successfully with these drugs what is that what do you think of that i mean what what as a reporter what does that make you want to do in terms of where do you want to look or where you think your next story what you think the next big questions to answer are well i 
it makes me not want to look to these big official organizations anymore. It makes me want to hit the ground and start talking to more patients and more doctors and seeing what's really going on. Because, you know, I've heard from other doctors and other patients who are, who've done this on the down low, they now feel they have to be very secretive about seeking treatment. Uh, but the fact that the word can't even get out widely, for instance, about, about even ventilators, I feel like people aren't educated enough about ventilators when it, when they were distributed widely in New York, we watched, massive death happened. I think that the survival rate on ventilators was like 12%. If you got on a ventilator, you had a 12% chance of living. That's horrible. I think that's the number that Dr. Barone was citing when he told me he avoids, he avoids them like the plague uh, at his hospital. Ventilators are the last thing that he would ever put his patients on. And he also attributes that to why he has a higher survival rate. When I asked World Health Org about ventilators, they said, absolutely, we recommend them. It's a little startling. The other interesting thing I noticed in your report, um, the first report that you did after, you know, as an independent uh, journalist, uh, you talked about remdesivir and how now that has been um, recommended by the World Health Organization. And it's, I think it's also been recommended by Dr. Fauci. Uh, and yet these, what you were reporting was that people were saying, or these physicians are saying that doesn't work. It's not effective. Is that correct? Well, from what I've gathered from them, your best chance of remdesivir working is if it is used very early in the viral phase, but this, this disease uh, morphs from a viral phase to um, an inflammatory phase where uh, the virus has already is, is done uh, kind of growing. And then um, when you put in remdesivir in there, not, no difference would happen. Uh, you have to treat each phase of it. So the doctors told me remdesivir is several thousand dollars uh, compared to ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine, which is uh, just a couple of dollars. So these doctors are, are they're, they're baffled themselves, scratching their heads at why these health agencies are making the recommendations they are. And they're just wondering whether it is a monetary reason because these, these remdesivir is so much costlier they're wondering if if there's a money incentive for some of these agencies to be pushing remdesivir. But they said, if remdesivir is gonna work, it has to be used very early on. Otherwise it's not effective. So when these patients come into hospitals really sick and, and the doctors themselves in hospitals across America are not being given much information on how to treat the disease. So they throw out remdesivir on a very sick patient hoping that'll work because they don't know what else to do. And that ends up not being effective. And then they put the patient on a ventilator and then you end up having a patient that dies when you could have been using steroids, steroids, blood thinners, ivermectin. The doctors say their research shows that ivermectin is actually effective in every phase of the illness. And you know that ivermectin, of course, it's been around for a million years as has hydro hydroxychloroquine. And um, the patents are up on those. 
So that's why they're so cheap. And um, interestingly enough, ivermectin, I, you probably know this, I don't know if you know this, but the manufacturer of ivermectin, um, once the patent expired, was saying, um, this is not effective for COVID. But we have a drug coming up that's similar to it that will be very effective. Are you, are you aware of that? I think it was Dr. Verone who mentioned that to me and he was very skeptical about it because, okay, you're basically trying to make something so similar to it, but immensely more costly. So then you ju you're just left to wonder if it has to do with money again. Are these, are these organizations and pharmaceutical companies trying to just make some money off of this virus rather than using something that's cheap and that research shows works? And if you look at what's happened in India, what is working? World Health Org couldn't tell me. Well, I want to ask you before we move on um, about Schiller and Tracy Rivers and um, Lee Meyer. What has happened? Have you heard from them or about them since you came out and exposed <laughs> what they did to you and did this whole report on your own about hydroxychloroquine and the early treatment, the early successful early COVID treatment? Well, after I went live on TV and said that I'd be exposing Fox for some of this, some of the narrative news telling and censorship they've been up to. Uh, after that, uh, later that night, I heard from Lee Meyer. She, she first called me to ask why I did it. And I had a great heart to heart. I poured out my heart to her. Not that she hadn't heard it before. And then later on that night, she, what did you say to her? Oh, I told her that, that there's, you know, what they, what they did to me with, with the defamatory letter in order to suppress news. I mean, they, they defame me to suppress news, to su suppress. Yeah, but that. she knows that. Yeah. So I, and I just brought up all these bullet points to her again. I said, you know, exactly why I'm doing this Lee, you know, I care about you guys. I love you guys. And I think you have done good journalism, but there are certain stories where you you've been very wrong. I know me using the word propaganda for you is offensive to you. I know you're offended by that. You've told me that, but it is propaganda. What you've done with the vaccine stories is propaganda. What you did with elections, propaganda, and also with the, uh, the, the COVID drug treatments, the way that you're suppressing certain things while hyping other certain things uh, to direct a narrative. It's not right. And, and then when you stooped so low as to defame me, that was not right. And I told her, I told her, I, I realized, I was like, I told her, you weren't in the call. I think you were on vacation. When I had a Fox Corp HR person come at me on Zoom, Susan set up the call with, with another Fox Corp HR person. And this woman out of Atlanta who works for Fox Corp told me that I can no longer criticize censorship publicly and I can no longer publicly stand up for the free sharing of information. Stunning. I, I was flabbergasted and I said, Lee, this is not what journalism's all about anymore. It breaks my heart to have to call you guys out like this. Breaks my heart. When she called me, I had just gotten done crying very hard because she called me about two hours after I went live. And nobody's asked me about what did I do after I went live on TV and, and 
blatantly called out Fox. It was devastating to me to ha have to do that to the company that I had left. So I went home and I just broke down and cried. It was a sad thing for me. And, and so I told her, I told her that, you know, this breaks my heart, you know, but she, I have told her these things over and over again. What did and she say? She was very silent on the phone. And then when I had gotten done pouring out my heart to her, we had several seconds of silence. And then she said, well, thank you for sharing your side. We'll be in touch later. And then it was like three hours later that she called me and told me I was suspended. And then the following day, I missed a call from the station president. And when I called him, tried to call him back, he wouldn't answer. Uh, nobody would answer my phone, but I got a text from a third party that doesn't work for the company saying that I'd been fired. So, and then a week later, I got a letter that's, that confirmed a, a letter directly from Fox. Wait, you got a, what third party? Uh, someone who asked to remain anonymous, so I can't say who it was, but a third party texted me saying, Dart, your station president would like you to know that you've been fired. <laughs> it, was a, it was a very unprofessional uh, situation. The fact that I had to find out I'd been fired from a third party. And I think the reason why is because Project Veritas was right there with me through it. And they knew that if I was on the phone with, the, with these bosses, it would be recorded and Project Veritas would be publishing anything my bosses said. And Fox is very afraid of being recorded, even though it's it's their profession to record other people. So anyway, they um, they never reached back out to me after that. I think they're very afraid. But uh, I it's funny because my boss Susan, the news director, she accidentally included me in a group text several days later. <laughs> She was assigning reporters to different stories and I was included and she's directing reporters where to go. So I was like, well, it's good to see that Susan is uh, still working as, as much as I do. I, I, I do greatly take issue with what some of the decisions she's made. I know that her bosses in New York were making her do certain things. I know that she's someone who believes in journalism, but she has sold her soul to a news corporation. She, she works so hard for that corporation, sometimes she sleeps in her office. And if she lost her job at that corporation, she would lose everything. Uh, it's, so uh, end of the day, I still love Susan. And when I saw her texting and going about business as usual, it kind of, I kind of just caring for her. I was like, I'm glad that she is still at it, assigning stories. And maybe she's just, I hope that Fox Corp that Susan, uh, that the bosses in New York, the bosses in Houston have just at least learned from this situation and gotten back to journalism. But they're not gonna fire Susan. Here's the thing, Susan has dirt on the bosses in New York. They can't fire her or she could speak out about them. So everyone's circling the wagon. They got rid of me, hoping I'll go away. But end of the day, I just hope they all just get back to journalism, just learn from this. Do you really think that's going to happen? Um, I, I think it'll happen to a certain extent. You know, once Fox violated me to the point of defamation last summer, I was like, okay, it's go time. I'm not beating around the bush now. The next time that they try to do narrative news over journalism, I'm going to confront them about it. So we actually had quite a few confrontations over the following months. And 
I think I was starting to make headway. Certain stories got through onto air that I don't think ever would have had I not held my boss's feet to the fire. I no longer feared being fired when they did what they did to me last summer. I actually wanted to be fired. I wanted out of the company. And I said, if I can get fired by enforcing journalism, that's worth it to me. That's wonderful. That's, that's perfect. I get out of the company and I, I get to make a difference by getting journalism to happen. So anyway, the bosses basically knew that if Ivory is pitching a story three days in a row and you're still not assigning it, then she's going to be on your case. Like I'm going to be interrogating my bosses and making them give a journalistic answer as to why this story shouldn't be heard from the viewers. Now, I noticed that Tucker Carlson is able to have some of these frontline doctors on talking about the early treatment and he hasn't lost his job. How come? Right. It's a civil war within Fox right now. And uh, Tucker carries too much of the ratings for the bosses to mess with him. Although I think they have tried to mess with him. Tucker has publicly stated in December of 2020, Tucker Carlson said publicly that he, he is told to say things he doesn't believe in. So here's the thing, working for Fox, you're not allowed to publicly criticize Fox. So you can say vague things like that. Like it was in my contract that I could not publicly criticize my company. And I think any, any company that wants good PR, that's a smart line to put in the contract. So the talent can be severely disciplined for publicly criticizing the company. So Tucker can't, Tucker can't call out Fox, but I'm sure he wants to in many ways. I think Fox has been changing uh, over this past year. And I think the company is hoping he will get more in line with the changes, but he has so much sway with the ratings right now that if, if he just puts his foot down and says, nope, there's not much the company can do about it because they can't fire Tucker or they will lose all their ratings. What is it that you see yourself doing from here on out? I want to do independent journalism. I'm really skittish about being tied to another news corporation. So some, in, some independent journalists have reached out to me about me possibly working with them. But also I'm exploring this idea of just doing my own completely independent thing. So I'm weighing all that out right now, uh, looking at the best option. Uh, and, but, you know, right now, this month, I have told Project Veritas that I would travel and speak at some events with them because I do want to get the story out more about what's really happening in my newsroom and elsewhere and also support Project Veritas because I think they are filling a void of covering some things that need to be covered that no one else will cover. Despite the nasty reputation corporate media has placed on Project Veritas, they're actually doing some good things and they did a good job covering my story. Hey.